Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Hom, and I am here with another incredible real estate investing goddess. I'm here with Monique Radstein, and she is an investor and also an attorney. So, For better or for worse, real estate investing is mired in the law. Legal statutes govern how you can purchase and also what you can do with your property after you own it. You need to understand and know these laws, or otherwise you might find yourself in some trouble. It's particularly important to know laws concerning landlord-tenant relationships and and rent control if they're applicable where where you're purchasing. So our guest today is an expert in real estate investing and the law, and she's going to share with us her incredible investment story as well as talk a little bit about, um, mostly we're going to talk a little bit about rent control and some other issues might come up as well. She's the founding attorney for the RAD firm, which is a real estate and business law firm, and she maintains a portfolio of investment properties in downtown Los Angeles and has overseen millions of dollars in real estate transactions. She received her JD from Loyola Law School in LA in 2011 and has been a member of the California Bar since December of 2011. She believes in a holistic approach to practicing law that spans multiple practice area. And she further applies this approach as an adjunct professor for the University of Southern California, where she teaches an undergraduate course in law and ethics. I'm thrilled to have her with us. Welcome, Monique. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thrilled to have you. And, of course, it's very easy for me to remember your name. <laughs> you have the <laughs> <perfect> spelling. <laughs> the more traditional spelling of Monique. Definitely. Um, so how, how did you get started in real estate investing? Well, admittedly, it was kind of a begrudging uh, start. Uh, my family... Um, has been investing in real estate since I was a young child. So my father met an older gentleman at a family party, and he suggested to him, hey, you should get into the apartment business, and I want to get rid of my apartment building, so can you please buy it off of me? Um, And it all started from that one building. So we still own that building in downtown L.A., um, and we've just been kind of watching the area grow around it. Yeah, it's really an amazing investment that he made and a big chance that he took. Um, but, you know, he is a little bit more uh, welcoming of risk than I was. So when I got mm-hmm. to be um, a little bit more on my feet financially and he mentioned, hey, would you like to start investing in some of our properties? I was a little bit nervous about it. Um, but the way we did it was we formed an LLC with a group of us um, investing in the mm-hmm. property. And so it made it a little bit easier to kind of feel, um, I guess, like I was in it with other people. So it felt a little bit more controlled and relaxed. So that's really how I got my start. Great. So you formed an LC. That was a real estate syndication, um, mm-hmm. which we definitely have talked about on this podcast before. Uh, so we're, this, this LLC that you created, and I'm a big fan of um, investing that way, and that's that's how I own most of my property, and I um, I syndicate properties that way. I bring groups of investors together. So, if when in your LLC was that mostly is this just family or friends or is it broader? How how was 
how do you invest in syndications? I would say it's a combination of family and friends. Um, very lucky mm-hmm. that I grew up half Persian. And for anyone that's seen Shaw's a sense that they know that the community is a very tight community. And so <laughs> I've had a lot of people available to me to kind of bring together um, and put our heads together and find investments. The one thing that I will say, though, is that we always make sure that we are the majority um, because we like to maintain control over the property and the future of the LLC. So that's one of the things that's very important to us. Cool. Okay. Um, so you started. What was this first investment? You said you you got a, into an investment with your your father and some others. What was this first investment that you you got? That's so property. it was a six unit apartment building in downtown LA. Um, and mm-hmm. I had a very small percentage of it. So I was about two and a half percent. Um, but it was good okay. enough for me at the time, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we started, we do our own managing of the property. Um, and so it was a really good opportunity to kind of learn the nuts and bolts of things without feeling like I was very much, you know, uh, I guess in the limelight in terms of the risk involved. Um, so that was yeah. the first one. Uh, and then we've just kind of gone through the motions of Im- making some improvements on the property, bringing it up to date, and then over time with tenant turnover, we've been able to bring it to market rate. Nice. So um, it sounds like you guys definitely have a buy and hold philosophy. So if, if, since you, if you still have that apartment building you've had since serious, your father still has that apartment building you've, you've had since you were a kid. Um, is that is that mostly how you're you're investing with um you buy something and then you just hold on to it for long yeah process? we've yeah definitely we've definitely been of the buy and hold mentality um and this kind of leans into the rent control conversation, but if we find that a property hits a certain point where it's maxed out in its cash flow abilities. So it looks Mm -hmm. like a lot of the tenants are going to be staying put. It looks like the rents aren't going to really shift too much. Then we would maybe consider selling it depending on what's going on in the area around it um, in favor of getting something else, uh, potentially moving more into development. But it's a slow kind of jump to that. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, let's talk a little bit about rent control because you're you're mostly invested in downtown Los Angeles yes is that correct okay yes and um so for I know a lot we have a listener from all over the country and even different parts of the of the world so tell us a little bit about how rent control works in Los Angeles well, specifically in Los Angeles, rent control determines the amount of rent that you can increase your rents by uh, every single year. And also, it determines certain reasons that you're able to evict people. So it really puts limits on what you're able to do with your property because you know that the rents are only going to go up by X amount, and you also know that you can only get rid of problem tenants for certain reasons. So if there are other reasons, like let's say I want to move in on my own or something of that nature, I'm going to have to pay relocation fees. 
Um, so you're really kind of boxed in in how, terms of how much money you can make on your property. And this applies in various cities around L.A., and it kind of applies in different ways. Um, but really the nexus is that it's going to be impeding upon how much you can raise the rent and also for the reasons that you can evict people. And that's true across the country in cities with rent control. Yeah. So this is a really – and that, I want to ask you um, a little bit about – why LA for you as an invest as um as a as a market you'd like as a, you know we I have a duplex in Los Angeles but otherwise my my properties are in other markets in part because of the rent control and I I wasn't a huge fan of that um I like you know what so I have a, apartment buildings you know in um in Dallas and in New Mexico and uh there if you know, you get a new building, you you can just give somebody 30 days notice um, to leave if the rents are under market. That that's not how it works in LA. Um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong. You can you can move out one tenant in a building, um, but you still have to pay relocation fees. But otherwise, you know, people that are substantially under market, they can be they can only raise rent three percent. Um, in the uh, per year, so that could keep you under market for a long time. So that can be a tricky, tricky thing to to figure out when you're um, investing. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's a really big. There's a lot of ever-changing laws that are happening right now too. One of the biggest things, and I, I know that it's kind of come up a lot lately, is the Ellis Act, which is the ability to go out of business in the rental market. So essentially a lot of the developers are coming in and they are opting for this particular process, taking the units off of the market and then re-demolishing and then building a new structure. But even that is starting to get very regulated by the city because they're noticing that our housing stock is really low. So it's kind of something that you have to completely be on top of at all times. Um, but, you know, for me, why Los Angeles, rent control is kind of a pain in many, many ways, as you mentioned. Um, but I think mm-hmm. it kind of comes down to the level of control um, that we wish to have over our properties. We want to be the people managing the property. We want to see them and drive by them. And so be, being based in Los Angeles is very important. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's kind of the main reason why we hold on to them. And then also Los Angeles is such a, a market that holds its value um, that it's, it, it's always worked out for us here that things just continue to climb. So we just feel most comfortable here. Yeah, that makes sense. There is something to be said for being able to drive to your property and see it. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a little harder when you, like, if you're like me, I live here and I have you know, properties in Atlanta or um, Louisiana. Um, you know, I have, I have ownership in some property I've seen once. So um, that is, but I don't manage them. I have third-party management. So that right. is a, a something that you, you want to look at and figure out what, what is, what do you like to do in real estate and, and, um, and invest accordingly. So, um, you know, there's a question I like to ask um, all of our guests because I know that you learn a lot. I mean, you, when things are going great, um, then it's it's fabulous and wonderful, but you don't learn as much 
But when you have when things go wrong, then you learn a lot more. So what is um what was what would you say is your biggest mistake in your real estate investing career and what did you learn from it? Okay. Biggest mistake. I would say uh, there was one particular transaction that we entered into, and I think we were a little bit cocky about it. We didn't necessarily do as many inspections as we usually did. Um, mm. We purchased it in an auction, so there was that added bit of excitement involved of we've got to win. Yeah. Um, and so we got this this multifamily property, and it ended up having major issues with the elevator that took us out for mm. a good six-month period of time because by the time they get those parts in, it's ridiculous. Um, so I think the biggest thing that I learned from that situation is just to ask more questions and sometimes to slow down and not get caught up in the emotion, um, especially being in this market, which is very fast-paced. It's really important to feel like you know what you're getting yourself into. Um, and so I, yeah. I wish we would have done a little bit more homework and not gotten as excited about jumping into that one. But, you know, we, we got the elevator fixed. Everything is good now. <laughs> so I, I suppose <laughs> it turned into a silver lining moment, but it was a little hairy yeah. there for a bit. <laughs> oh, well, due diligence is always, like, so important, you know, really mm-hmm. having to to fully vet a property beforehand. Sometimes you, you just you don't have that much time to do it, but for sure, um, definitely, yeah. If you can, the more the more the better. <laughs> Due diligence. Um, yeah, that was a that's a good one. So the the flip side of this is, what are you most proud of in your real estate investing career? I'm most proud of the way that we manage our properties and how we do our best to maintain an ethical point of view while doing it. Um, I think it's very easy to kind of fall into certain pitfalls and become, you know, the stereotypical slumlord, especially when you're dealing with rent control properties and capital can be squeezed a bit tight. Um, But one of the things I'm most proud of is that we're very conscious of maintaining our properties um, well and making sure that we're acting in the most respectful way with our tenants um, and have good relationships with our tenants. So that's something that I would say comes out as, you know, jumps out to me. Mm, That's great. That is so important. And one of my my mission is to, always have a you know purchase properties where we can leave the property and the community better than we found it because yeah. um, they're the opposite of doing the slumlord thing um, yeah and and I, I find that it, it pays off in the end you may you can you're it's like pen um, people can be penny wise pound foolish and I think if you treat people really well and make it a place people want to stay and um, and you're and if you just you create a good, it's just good people creating a, a good space for other good people to come. It, it's going to work out better in the end. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's, that's great. Um, and so you, you know, so you have this, um, you have these properties in downtown LA, um, in an investment portfolio. Um, 
and have a successful law practice, which is, and a lot of those supervisors are also doing property management. Um, to what do you attribute your success? I think that what my success is really rooted in is community, and not just the community that you know I was very blessed to be born into, um, but I think it's also the community that I've created for myself. So I've been very conscious in my career to make a lot of different contacts with different people from different areas of real estate. And I've always been able to kind of call upon them and cultivate them when I run into an issue or I have a question or something of that nature, or if something is a mistake and I need somebody to kind of commiserate with. So I think that's been the biggest thing for me um, that's been really helpful is creating that community. Um, And that also would be kind of my advice to anyone would be to make sure that you do create that community and so you don't feel like you're alone in something, that you're putting multiple heads together and you can kind of figure out, um, you know, resolutions to problems that way. Mm, So good. Yeah, I always say uh, real estate is a team sport and we yeah. can't, can't do it alone. So um, this is, and I, I think that's huge. Uh, so how do you, how do you build community? What do you do to create community for yourself? So it's, it's tough sometimes because there are those moments where you just want to hang out on the couch and wear your sweatpants and like binge on reality <laughs> TV. But you know, I do try and set goals for myself in terms of going out to networking events, going to meetups, um, and then sometimes what I'll do is I'll send a cold email. So if there's somebody that I really want to meet, I will look up as much as I can about them on LinkedIn and whatever other, like Google or whatever, and then I will actually send them an email and say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm very interested in XYZ. Would you be willing to meet for coffee? Um And it's just kind of a combination of different things. But the key part of it is not being afraid to kind of put yourself out there and to ask. Um, Something that I kind of struggle with a lot. Um, So, you know, you just have to just continue to push yourself. And I found that setting goals, saying, okay, I'm going to go to at least, you know, one networking event a week or one a month or whatever it is, helps really get you out the door um, and moving towards creating that community. Yeah. So good. It it does make all the difference. I have found. Um, yes. With real estate. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I met you at an um, event. <laughs> that's exactly one of those Saturday mornings I that I was too. like, hmm, I could either hang out or I can go out, and I'm very happy I did. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I and I've I've never regretted. I mean, a I also really like real estate people so yeah. I, I mean and that that i think is is a um is a sign that you're doing the right thing if you if you're going to these events and you actually like the people that are there um i i i like real estate people i get them they get me we're like so it's it's i actually have fun um at these events and i always meet people that i resonate with and and then i get to meet cool people like you and then invite you on to to share with uh, with the audience, so but yeah, there are all sorts of wonderful things. Um, Definitely, yeah, awesome. So now you have um, 
you have a law firm, which is real estate and business, and you work a, you work around multiple practice areas. What kind of what kind of law matters do you do you work on? Do you help people with? So I work on a kind of combination of things, soup to nuts, and obviously it comes from my background. Uh, in real estate, investing in multifamily. Uh, But we'll do commercial real estate litigation. We'll do residential real estate litigation, whether it be a contract dispute, property damage, or an eviction action. Um, We will also do uh, generating contracts, um, do generating contracts for, you know, on-site managers and things of that nature. So we kind of run the gamut of just being that point person that you can call upon and say, hey, you know, I've run into this particular issue with my investment. What is it that I need to do? And we'll point you in the right direction. Okay. That is good to know. So, um, yeah, for you folks out there, could you use some legal advice, especially in California? You know, you can contact Monique. Um, and, you know, we, you had started to talk about this a little bit in terms of advice that you would give. Um, you said you know, definitely building community is, is something that you would recommend for, for um, somebody who's starting out. What, what else, what other advice would you give for a woman just starting out in real estate investing? I think it's important for, especially us as women, to kind of take stock and decide what, what are our values and who we are, and to make sure that we stand true to those. Um, I think it's interesting when you're a female investor how there are going to be very different approaches to dealing with you um, that are different than dealing with male investors. And there's Mm -hmm. going to be a tendency to want to act a specific way, whether it be, you know, more aggressive or less aggressive or what have you. And I think it's important to just decide who you would like to be and who you actually are and stick with that person and not waver from it. Um, I think that's the most important thing because when you try to put on a certain front, it's just never going to remain consistent and it's never going to feel right. So if you say, you know what, I'm, I'm, you know, more aggressive or maybe I'm more of a collaborator, uh, just stick with it. Be who you are. Yeah. That's, that's good advice. Yeah. Um, I love that. And what do you wish you'd known at the beginning of your career that you now know? That people are a whole lot nicer and more receptive than you would think initially. <laughs> people exist mm-hmm. out there to help and to collaborate. Um yeah. And I think that it's it's so easy to kind of see a bunch of stop signs when you're first strategizing or starting out in something new. And when you really realize that people are just out there to kind of collaborate and figure out mutually advantageous solutions to things, it, it really opens a lot of doors and it makes you a lot less afraid to kind of move forward. So I think that's the biggest one is to be less afraid and to realize that people are, are not all out there for themselves and there's kind of a way that you can kind of have an in with everybody. Yeah. So good. This is, I find a very win-win business. It's very, it's very um, amenable to that. So um, if you can go out 
with that framework in mind, like looking for how other people can win, well, you know, how you can help them while they can help you. And, um, and even, even without that, I think people are willing to help for no other reason than they just like helping. <laughs> That's what I have found. Yeah. Um, really lots of people that will, um, go for coffee or take that phone call and give you advice and, um, and just you know, there, there are so many like that, men and women, that are that are there to help. And um, it, it's, I think that's great advice to um, to remember that people are there to help you, and so you can just ask. Yeah, love it, love it, awesome. So, <laughs> what is? the best way for people to reach you and find out more about what you do? Well, they can check out my website. I have a website, radlawyers.com. I'm also on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. And they can also give me a call. They can find my phone number on there um, and reach out to me and give me a call. So multiple ways to get in touch with me. What's your your, um, Instagram handle? My Instagram handle, there's there's actually two. I've got one that's the Rad Firm, and then I've got one Rad Lawyer, um, which I've been playing okay. with, although my students tell me I need to switch it up a little bit. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they were like, you know, telling me about the, the Finsta and the Rinsta. I don't know if you've heard of that, but there's one that's a little uh, bit I more know. curated and one that's more personal, and I think – yeah, it's funny. They were saying, you're getting it confused, Professor. So if you look right, me up, you'll see lots of pictures what? of my dog and cat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, give give me the 30-second finsta and rinse. What does that mean? So one is like the more curated version. So the finsta is the fake Instagram and then the Rinsta is the ah. real Instagram that you're supposed to be private and only show, you know, unattractive photos of yourself. And, like, so I guess I they were, yeah, so mine with my, my picture of my dog and cat periodically, I guess they were saying it's not it's, on brand. It's too Rinsta? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a little too Rinsta, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's It's me, so... If you check me out on Good Instagram, you'll be getting me. <laughs> you're, you're getting the Rinsta Monique. Okay. Good. Exactly. You're getting the Rinsta Monique. All right. Awesome. Okay. So we always end each show with a trinity, and we have time for a quick trinity, which is a brag, a gratitude, and desire. So what's one thing you're celebrating right now? What's your brag? So my brag is that I have just hired my first full-time employee, Emily. So hello, Emily. She's listening. Um, And I am incredibly excited about it. She was part-time with me for about six months now, and we've grown to the point where she can come on board full-time, and I'm really excited about it. Yay. Well bragged. And what's one thing you're grateful for? I think it's the same thing. It's Emily. Because, <laughs> you know, I guess 
I think what keeps coming up is I love community. Um, and so Emily has been an, a great welcome addition. She's always incredibly positive, and she's been great with clients. And so I'm really grateful to be able to have that person that I can count on so that I can go out and meet new people and expand to new clients and new, new areas. So I'm really grateful for that. All right. Yay, Emily. And last but not least, what's one thing you desire? So I, in this new year, and now's a great time to take stock of it, I want to be a little more fearless. So I want to, I want to get into a couple of riskier investments um, and see where that takes me. So we'll, we'll see where that goes, yeah. All right. Well, so shall your desire be or so much better than you can imagine. Thank you. You're welcome, and thank you for being on. That was awesome. Uh, again, if you guys want to connect with the Rinsta, <laughs> you can find her um, on uh, at radlawyers.com, uh, the the Rad Firm, or Rad Lawyer on Instagram. And um, to connect with me, you can go to realestateinvestorgoddesses.com or go to our Facebook page, Real Estate Investor Goddesses. Um, I have some goodies for you at either place. And, um, and I'm, you know, just love you guys. And I hope you have a really Merry Christmas for those of you who celebrate. And uh, we will uh, talk next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Bye-bye.